It's time for To The Last Drop Podcast with Liam Delcom and Brendan Nell. Welcome to today's show, guys. Uh, another bumper edition because we are sort of halfway through the pool stage of the World Cup. In today's show, we're going to talk, talk box selections for the game against Ireland. We talk about Andre Pollard's return to the squad. Uh, we obviously have to talk about Ireland, the team that the box will come up against uh, this weekend. Um, we'll talk a little bit about Bok Hotels, uh, the hotels that Bok the Bok teams have stayed at in the past. Um, and we will also talk about... Uh, the pool stages of the World Cup, uh, who's likely to go through, who's likely to fail. Uh, and we're also talking a little bit of wine, as we should, because uh, at least one of us is in France, and by the end of the week, two of us will be in France. Welcome, Brendan. Uh, thanks, Liam. Yeah, I feel like I feel like when I said to you, uh, we can talk about me coming through to find you in France, I almost feel like that scene out of the wedding crashes where the girl says, the guy says, I'll never leave you. And she says, well, I'll find you. So, yeah, I'm on, I'm, 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 I'm on, your, uh, on your trail. I'll, I'll find you somewhere in Paris later this week. Paris is a big city. It's a metropolis. Uh, good luck with that. Well, I'll find something. I'll definitely find some wine somewhere along the line. And I'm sure we'll stumble into each other at some point. Yeah. Yeah. So um, a, a massive week. We, this is a week that we've been um, anticipating for a very long time. South Africa up against Ireland this weekend. And um, already, it's, I know it's early in the week, um, but um, shots fired. Yeah. Yeah. I must admit, I, I, I looked at that. I just started laughing when I saw the 7-1 bench. and the, um, Because I, I know Rossi was asked about it earlier in the week. And he said, well, it could happen again, but... Yeah, Rossi, Rossi tends to give those sort of answers to sort of yeah, dangle a bit of bait amongst you know, especially the overseas journalists. Uh, so so I, I thought initially it was just that, but when I, when I saw it, I started laughing because I just thought, you know what, this is this is a, a real, and I, I don't want to use an expletive, but this is a real f you to um, sort of Ireland. You're the best team in the world. You're number one. You know that's this is who we are. We're not we're not yeah. scared to put seven forwards on the bench, and yeah, come stop us. Yeah, it, it was a it was a case of when when the team came out, um, there was part of me that actually wasn't surprised because they've been doing things that aren't uh, where they've parted with convention. A number of things they've done uh, even before World Cup, and obviously now in the World Cup, they do things a little bit differently. Um, they've already had the seven-one split against the All Blacks. They explained then they were forced into that because of a late uh, a late injury. Um, and now that the 7-1 has arrived, um, I must say, I didn't fall off my chair. I think it's also another way of, um, you know, if we, if we look at the Ireland-South Africa matchup over the last number of years, uh, what has been, what is apparent is that the Springboks can't beat Ireland in the ways that they used to in the past, where they just come with sheer brutality up front. Uh, and sort of kick the door down. Uh, Ireland, obviously, a, a much wiser squad now. They've also got uh, players in terms of size, in terms of technique, that m- more than match the Springboks. So you can't use that um, that old method uh, of, of beating or breaking them down. Uh, but I think what the box have done here is is the statement here is, well, if our forwards couldn't do that in the of the last few years, what we'll do now is we'll just bring more forwards. So we will go back to that old tried tested method, um, and just do it with um, you know with a bit more force. 
Well, yeah, I, I think, and I, I was looking at it, and the first thing sort of struck me when I sort of, obviously, initial reaction was, geez, 15 forwards and eight backs in the 23, that's a, that's quite a heavily forward-based <laughs> selection. But, uh, yeah, I was looking at, at it, and I thought to myself, well, yeah, if, if you look at that bench, when you've got a Dion Faree and a Marco van Staden on that bench and a Quacha Smith, um, mm. yeah, you've got three guys who play to the ball and three very good jackers who... Ireland's whole sort of game plan works around quick ruck ball. They, 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 I mean, the Six Nations, all we heard, the whole Six Nations was how yeah, they were yeah. 2.3, 2.5 seconds for ruck recycle. And I think this is the box kept them close a year ago in Dublin and, mm. and, and felt, probably felt they got quite a bit out of that game, even though they lost it. I think what they're going to do in that second half is target that and see if they can't disrupt them quite, quite heavily. Mm. There and obviously steal ball, and if they if stop them, they quickly cycle. It's gonna it's gonna disrupt Ireland quite heavily. But yeah, mm. it's easier said than done. In fact, when when um, Jacques was asked a question about the number of fetches at their disposal in this game, uh, he actually said uh, that's not something he specifically looked at, um, which. <laughs> It's just rather bizarre. Of course, they've looked at it. I mean, it's uh, there's no way they could have overlooked something like that. Um, to return to that point you made about uh, the game in Dublin last year, I was at that game and I know how gutted they were afterwards because the Springboks felt they should have won that game. Uh, there were one or two silly mistakes and then, of course, their, their goal kicking was, was a little bit of target in that game. So they felt even then that they had the measure of Ireland. It's not just a question of... Um, yeah, putting all those things, um, you know, back together again. So um, I think there'll be a lot of confidence in the box, in the box team before this game. Yeah, and I think I think uh, that was the one thing I remember that game as well. In terms of, I, I thought that yeah, before then I know I had a conversation with one or two people in the box squad, and they were a bit uneasy about the French and the and the Irish challenges, just because. I mean, everybody had gone, gone on about them and how good they were and how they were these world beaters, et cetera, and the box hadn't played them. So they were a bit apprehensive. And even though they lost, when I spoke to them afterwards, they felt yeah, they, they, they saw enough out of their game plan that if they do meet again at the World Cup, they feel they can yeah, overturn that result as such. Well, I mean, mm. now, it's, it's, now it's the moment of truth. I mean, it's not the end of the world for whoever loses this game, but there certainly is a, a huge amount of bragging rights Um and uh, yeah, a lot of talking points. I think the box. I think the one thing that the seven-one does does do it, it, it literally lays down that forward challenge in no uncertainty. I mean, there's <laughs> you can't even be nuanced about it. It's just it's brutal. It's just this is what we're going to do: try and stop. It. Yeah, uh, it's, yeah. Ireland obviously going to try and take yeah. the ball a bit wider and hope that with the lack of lack of obviously forward reserves that they tie them out a wider bit. Uh, backline reserve, mm. should I say? Um, but yeah, it's going to be fascinating this chess game that we're going to watch on set. Yeah, going into it with, with just one back uh, on the bench. I mean, Jacques Ninaba did make the point that you know he knows that there is uh, risk attached to this. Um, also made the point there's a risk attached to a six-two, um, but you know he said he, he stressed the point that it's a, a calculated risk and one that they that it's one that they're comfortable with. Yeah, I mean, you look at their, their backline, and and that's the one thing. I mean, I was I was thinking, okay, where where are the where are the, the the big sort of like holes they can fall into, and and the only real one I can see is probably at thirteen. Um, I know they say Damon Delender can can cover there at thirteen. Mm. Uh, Damon Willemser can move into twelve. Cheslin and Kurt, they have both played fullback. Cheslin's played fly off. Foff has played fly off. 
you know, they're covered in all these sort of different ways in terms of versatility. But 13 is a bit more specialized, and Damon Delinda hasn't played 13 for a while. But saying that, I mean, you sort of wonder to yourself, and it's, I saw somebody ma- mention it on Twitter um, after the announcement, and, and it, it sort of sparked a thought about when the box have had injuries during games. I think outside backs has probably been the one space they haven't had huge injuries. It's, it's normally a forward. It's normally you know, one of their big forwards that, that sort of goes down. Um, and I think that might be part of the calculation as well because, uh, yeah, I think mostly you know, the outside backs don't get involved that, as much as obviously the forwards and they feel they can take that risk. And it's still, it's a hell of a risk to take. You get away with it. Um, and if it works for you again, like it did against the All Blacks, I wonder if we're going to see other teams try it as well. Yeah, I, I think there's no doubt that uh, a lot of science would have gone into this uh, into this decision. You just don't arrive at a at a seven one bench split um, overnight. Um, I, I think also um, the seed was the seed wasn't planted uh, in the New Zealand game. I think it probably came from well before, and they've built up uh, to this moment. And then also we probably need to uh, just chat about no Dwayne Vermeulen in this lineup, um, and then there's no Vali Larue, so two very experienced players. It's, it's almost as if uh, there's a bit of a changing of the guard. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I think I, I, Dwayne surprised me. Vili not so much because I think Damien Willems has been growing into that role. He is almost sort of a form fifteen at the moment, and uh, uh, while Vili's still ex- a hell of an experienced guy. I could see that change coming naturally. Wayne's one sort of surprised me, but I suppose I sort of wondered how much that's going to do with Marco van Staden being on the bench um, and and him being, you know, as, as the backup, the third hooker now, and that sort of situation. If if they wanted him on the field um, mm. in the second half because of that. Mm. Yeah, I, I thought about that as well, and I thought of um, you know uh, Dwayne at Ulster. You know how did how do they feel he measured up there? Um, you know, I know he didn't play there for very long, but still there, there was a there was a stint there. Um, yeah, so you know to to not have that experience uh, in a game like this is is massive. Um, in fact, Jacques spoke about experience and how. And if we talk about Ireland now, the you know um, how equally they are matched in terms of age, in terms of number of caps. Um, obviously, the two squads and the two sets of coaches uh, they know each other very well. Um, but, but the point was made, although they are very well matched, is that the game will be determined by how well they prepare this week, and not you know what necessarily uh, they know of each other. I suppose in that way we should talk about uh, the Marco von Staden situation anyway, and the Andre that brings us to the Andre Pollard situation. Mm. Um, and and there's obviously quite a bit there that we need to talk about there because that in itself, and I know why a lot of Springbok fans were overjoyed by the fact that Andre Pollard is in, and, and we've had this sort of almost, you know, sort of, I, I don't know, I don't know how soap opera type sort of situation around mm. his inclusion, exclusion, all the, these type of things. Um, I found it bizarre in a way because, um, and I, I think maybe then we should probably just play that clip from from the question you asked when the guys left at our Tambo for people to understand from where we're coming from, uh, and and maybe put that clip in here. Yeah, you asked the question to Jacques Ninova just before they left about what they're going to do if if there's an, if if they get an injury in terms of of a forward, are they going to replace a back with a forward? And uh, this was his answer. 
You're with Liam Delcom and Brendan Nell on the To The Last Drop podcast. I think uh, um, if you think about the only guys that we didn't take, uh, uh, um, uh, who's available for the bat? If you think about it, it's Herschel, it's Andre and Lukanu. If you think now, out of the 42, best three backs that we can select, uh, uh, out of the guys that has worked with us, yes, we can go further than that, but then it will be a guy that hasn't been part of us for a while. So, so obviously, if there's a forward getting injured now, and we feel we we covered in that position, let's say we lose a prop now, we won't bring it back in. It will be suicidal. We only have five props. If we lose a hooker now, we won't bring it back in. We only have three hookers. It will be suicidal. But when we lose a loose forward or we lose a lock, we might, uh, because we've got, I think we've got five locks. Uh, if you think about JK, Archie, uh, uh, we've got um, uh, uh, Marvin Ori, uh, then we have Eben, and we've got Sous, and then you have um, uh, Peter Steff has played for us lock before. Yes, you can flow. Uh, we, uh, we threw Dwayne in at four lock against France, I think, uh, when we got all the cards. So there's options there. So we, if we lose a lock, we feel that there's a lot of uh, versatility within the loose forward lock uh, division uh, that we might bring in, uh, uh, we, we can bring in a bag. Yeah. I'll probably a stupid question now. All the injuries, how are you going to split the squad? Uh, I'll be honest, it will probably, probably would have been an 18. Are we now 1913? 1914, probably 1850 if we didn't get injuries. Yeah, so, so in that answer, it, it, it's, um, the big, when you ask a question like that, obviously, uh, whatever answer comes back, you're gonna, you're gonna remember, especially when that eventuality unfolds. You know, the, we did have a tight forward, or uh, front ranker in this case, that, um, that had to go home. Uh, and then they arrive at a different decision. And of course, I mean, I completely concede that in a World Cup, uh, in a game that is dynamic, it's fluid, things change, and you are allowed to change your mind, that's fine. Uh, but then say so, because um, they arrived at a, at a different decision. I know they're going to talk about like-for-like like hookers and the option, that option wasn't available to them necessarily. Uh, the option was available maybe in the squad, and that's the way it was explained. Um but yeah, it it just uh, yeah, it just sat a little bit uncomfortably with me. Same, yeah, because um, yeah, one of the things that I, I sort of picked up straight away is is we we've had six years now out of Jacques and and, and Rossi, uh team selections and them thinking out the box and them doing things, but they've always been pretty much open cards with guys like us. I mean, when we've been at press conferences. There's often they and they've been open to talk to us on afterwards about decisions as well and explain them if we don't understand them. And and I'm conceding, I'm sitting here in South Africa at the end, but the, the fact that you have been uncomfortable in in Paris, yeah, um, says to me that maybe the communication wasn't so good because what 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 they often do is is I mean, they think these things through a, a thousand different angles. Yeah. And yeah. so you've got to concede that so maybe our speculation here yeah, is not the same speculation within the squad, but just from an outside point of view, and you can, and if fans have to understand this, while it's great to have Andre Pollard there, um, yeah, replacing Malcolm Marks with him, first of all, not like for like, uh, you, your first question that comes into my head is a guy like Joseph Dweber, who's the official hooker reserve for the team. Um, yeah, what message does that send out to a guy who's like that? 
the second thing of all, of course, is of course they've been playing up Marnie's goal kicking is not an issue. Jock yeah. has said it several times, and I, and I, I, he has think... gone as far as defending Marnie in a press conference. And now you bring Andre Pollard in. Um, what message does mm. that send to Marnie Liver? I think that is the nub of it. Um, I think they are more concerned about goal kicking than they care to admit. And, and th- this decision, I think a lot of it has to do with that. Um, I understand also that they don't want to sit on a, in a public a space, a public forum, um, and criticize their goal kickers because you need to build confidence and, and not break it down. So I understand that, but as well, but you know, um, there's a, there's a, a time and a, and a place to talk about these things and certainly not, uh, you know, publicly that, that hasn't, uh, materialized. And I know, I mean, you and I offline have spoken about Joseph Weber and maybe he hasn't made his World Cup selection case as strong as it could have been. Uh, yeah, he has, he has had, um, some, some decent provincial outings, but he is, mm. his line out throwing is, is a concern and, 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 uh, maybe that has sort of, yeah, got them to the point where they took Dion Free as the, the backup hooker. But the marker from Stalin thing sort of threw me this week because, well, I can understand in, there's always a, a backup plan because of the, the World Cup rules with uncontested scrums that in the past it was a guy like Trevor Neocani who was the swinger. You know, if he needed to, he would pack down a hooker, you know, that sort of thing. To now have Marco van Staden as this almost suddenly th- you know, third choice hooker that could play in a World Cup semi final and final uh, potentially as a hooker um, is a very strange one indeed. And, and, yeah, when you the margins are so small in World Cup games and these huge knockout games, you've got to say that is a risk. They might have, they might know more than we know, and it might work out for them. But like all their risks, um, there is a potential for backfire. Yes, they they are certainly prepared to take to take risks, um, and it's it's that that has been the fascinating bit about uh, you know following this team this, over the last while. Um, they're quite happy to take, uh, you know, uh, as, as Jacques explained, you know, in, in the case of the 7-1 split, uh, it's a calculated risk. Um, but as you rightly point out, it, it does put you in more peril than you probably should be if, if one of those things go wrong. Um, but of course, it also has the promise of, um, you know, something spectacular, um, you know, uh, Working out in your favour, um, and Jock actually spoke about uh, about that leading up to the, the Ireland game. The the not sort of the nervous energy, but the excitement about building up for a game like this, where you've put things in place, you've built up to this particular moment. The plans of are falling into place, and to see then in a game like this whether it works. Um, so it's almost like the uh, you know the, the mad scientist you know a bit of this bit of that uh, haven't tried this put that in and let's just see what happens um, you know uh, the rugby world has been so, so so similar for so long you know everybody does the same thing um, and along come come the Springboks and and they just uh, test convention and they sort of um, take the rule book and you know throw it out the window. Well, my, my, my only thing about this, and I, I've got nothing wrong. I don't have any problem with innovation. And if, if, and, and I feel, you know, a lot of the times while we watch the team closely and we point these things out, these, these are two coaches who've won a world cup. Um, yeah, you know, they, they, they know what they're doing. So I always sort of default to their, their judgment in terms of that. It doesn't mean you can't question it, but it doesn't mean you have to take that into account. And I think the only 
worry I would have. And if it is addressed by them and it's not a factor in the team, uh, then it's not a factor. But the thing would be with, with these changes, uh, you, know, you can easily upset squad morale. Uh, you know, Marnie the Bok, where a lot of his teammates are backed him, now suddenly you bring Andre in, you, you might get one or two players a bit unhappy about that. And it's it's we've all seen teams which can quickly that dynamic change in terms of squad happiness. Um if mm. if that doesn't if 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 they've all bought in and if they all you know are on the same page and, and I don't just mean on a World Cup page because in World Cups as we saw in two thousand three with Cornet cricket players tend to do things and so let things happen that shouldn't happen uh, just because they want to be at the World Cup. Uh, and, and obviously talking about Comstalder out there, but yeah, I don't think this is on the same level, but if everybody's on the same page, then yes, it'll work. But mm-hmm. that is the danger, I think, more than the selection danger, is that you yeah. can upset that squad di- dynamic a bit. Yeah, I, I think um, to, to conclude this this uh, part of, of, our, of our chat, uh, they could have had Fabian Galtier, the, the French uh, national coach, um, sort of make the point for them because he was asked about our, you know, a changed squad for him uh, ahead of their next game. And he, he made the point that we, we adapt and we, we go according to certain deadlines. He says it's like Darwin's theory, the most intelligent species adapts. No, that's true. And that's one thing that the box have done pretty well. Um, yeah, so... Look, it's going to be fascinating. There's so many talking points. We could easily go in for an hour on, on this island game alone. And uh, we're going to have a lot to talk about after the island game as well. But, uh, yeah, let's just turn them. You're going to talk to us about some – yeah, a lot of people – we spoke last week about some of the logistics of, of, of traveling in the World Cup and 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 <laughs> some of the, the challenges that people don't have. And this is not a com- complaining. It's just – it's reality. Uh, but yeah, we yeah the, everyone sort of wonders where the box stay. They tend to stay in these lavish five star hotels. When, uh, yeah. when I say lavish, I mean I don't think uh, there are hotels in South Africa that sort of come to the same sort of grandeur as that. And then definitely not hotels that journalists stay in, at least. So um, tell us a bit about what's been happening there. Mm, yeah, no, certainly not. The um, they've opted uh, to stay well outside the confines of Paris. Um, so. You basically have to go to one of the northern uh, stations in in the uh, in the city, Gardunot, and then take uh, a, an overland train uh, to this little hamlet. That's uh, it's about forty minutes north uh, outside Paris. Uh, they're on a golf estate and spa, um, and will be staying there for 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 this week. You know, in the build up uh, to this, this game against Ireland. Um, and there's, they've always uh, had this, not just this Springbok management group, but also previously the Springbok team has often found, they somehow found a, a hotel way off the beaten track where it's very difficult, certainly by public transport, to <laughs> to get to them. Um, and it, it just sort of reminded me again of a 2002 trip um, when Rolf Strolli was the coach on an end-of-year tour where they were on a golf estate um it was actually a championship course, uh, you know, uh, 42Ks outside Marseille, and it was 4Ks to the nearest town one way, and I think 5Ks if you go the other way to the next town. Uh, so you're kind of like stuck there if you don't have your own vehicle. Um, that didn't work out well for them. Uh, I remember Alistair Kutsia's team in 2016 decided also to stay in a golf estate, um, well out of bounds of uh, what you would call... A, Christchurch's city limits, 
Um, and it was a, I know it was a complete trick to get to them. Uh, and 2019 as well, uh, the box for the game in Shizuoka against uh, Italy, I think, is, I think it was. Yeah, it was quite a big week. Um, they stayed in a place called Omazaki, which is 57 kilometers away, and it's this little town. Um, that just uh, the, one of the sleepiest places I've ever been to. You didn't hear anything. There was just no noise. There were no children screaming or uh, there, there is traffic, but it's like it's it was just eerie. It was something out of a. I'm sure you mean children laughing, not children screaming, because <laughs> there could be something <laughs> very different. Well, okay, okay, <laughs> both. <laughs> um, both. And it's just, yeah, it, 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 it often is a, presents a, a, a challenge. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's just part of the job that you, you kind of sort of make peace with and, 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 and get on with. Well, I, I remember in 2015 at the World Cup, um, we, we were booked into a hotel in Kensington in London. And uh, we had it, uh, the, the box also somewhere. Guilford, the, Royal, the, the Royal Garden by any chance? Uh, no, no, no. It was uh, there's another very posh hotel. I don't know how I in, ended up there, but um, uh, the, the they were staying in Guildford. Now, anybody knows in the UK who knows that distance knows that it's a, about a 40, 45 minute train ride to Richmond, and then from Richmond you have to change trains, and it's another forty five minute drive. Yeah, Ooh, and then once yeah. you get to Guildford, it's it's uh, it's about a fifteen minute walk from the train station. So when you do this every day for like a month. Um, yeah, and you're doing two 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 odd hours at least a day traveling time, uh, then back. It sort of starts to break your soul eventually. Uh, but yeah, they they on the golf course and they're playing golf and they're very happy. And uh, and sometimes yeah. we used to we used to get very frustrated to get there after this yeah almost two hour journey there, and we get in the box and say, okay, you've got three minutes with this play, and then we finished. And then you sort of like. Okay. After mm. three minutes, back up and head back again. That's all. So mm. it's, it's not all fun and games on these tours as well. Yeah, I, I recall that uh, the hotel they stayed in in Omazaki. Uh, we we kind of joke because it, it reminded some of us of that uh, Catskill Resort in the 1987 movie Dirty Dancing. Don't even remember that, Brendan. Uh. Um, something between that and the Overlook Hotel in The Shining. Um, because it, it, it sort of sat alone on these, in these hills, um, where it looked like anything could happen. And then there was actually a little bit, there was a tremor that week as well. Um, and, and there was a, a decommissioned nuclear power plant about 10 kilometers away. So it was fun and games. No, well, look, I mean, I remember Gavin Rich having a, a laugh at me in 2011 because we, the World Cup there was just after the, the earthquake in Christchurch. And, uh, I was, I was so prepared. I had an app on my phone that told me when they were, was earthquakes. And anybody who sort of follows earthquakes knows that there's probably about 3,000 earthquakes a day. Yeah. Uh, but none, they're obviously quite small ones, but my phone kept on beating, beeping and Gavin kept on <laughs> sort of saying, it's another earthquake. It's another earthquake. <laughs> so yeah, these are all fun and games on these tours as well. They are showing me a bottle of wine now and I wish I could show it to you. It's a woman with great flowing hair, which is rather apt for the island week. It's called Rendezvous, I think, if I can see right. Yeah, it's not, yeah, not Voulez-vous. It's Rendezvous. Um, I walked into a little, um, wine shop, um, in, in, in Paris. Um, in, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a very small wine shop. Um, but they, they seem to have a, a vast selection. It's also in, in price. It just varies from like, 
a bottle you can buy for 10 euros to a bottle you can yeah i didn't ask him for the the top of the range but certainly within sight there was uh, bottles of 65 euros and 70 and so on and so on um and i settled for this bottle of rendezvous uh it's a it's a cabernet franc cabernet sauvignon and it is from the languedoc and i had it last night uh or half of it at least um and I had it with a cassoulet, and I can tell you, it was splendid. Did it, did it get you to your destination, your rendezvous? Uh, I ate it in my apartment, Brendan, so it certainly got me where, where I needed to be. To the be. glamorous life of a touring journalist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, um, I must admit, I, I, I last night uh, had some Swartland Syrah, um, that uh, very nice box wine. If you can, you can get it nowadays on in, in a two liter box, and, and and we obviously definitely not averse to to having the old box wine, and we quite enjoy it. And uh, uh, yeah, that was pretty decent last night. So if you have a look out for that, that's pretty good as well. Yeah, and I think uh, that I'm I'm sort of going to go off because I've got to go pack. I'm going to be catching a flight a bit later now, uh, off to uh, Paris. And uh, we all go hunt down Liam and go find him wherever he is in his apartment drinking his rendezvous. Uh, and uh, yeah, with our next pod, we will be recording together from Paris. So that's uh, something to look forward to. Liam, uh, yeah, it's going to be a big game. It's Ireland on Saturday. I can't wait. And uh, yeah, let's, let's hope by the time I get there, uh, the festivities have begun. Yeah, look, it's going to be a tense, a tense week. Uh, the the jogging never made the point that he's not nervous. It's more excitement. So there is a bit of excitement, but there's also that little tinge the back there where you think, oh, this, this better not go south. But yeah, a lot of, a lot of anticipation. Yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. But that's it for us this week. Uh, we'll chat to you next week where we have all the reaction from the game. And uh, we'll be telling you how many red wines we found in France as well. Thanks for listening. And a reminder, you can find all the To The Last Drop podcasts on the Brendan Nell YouTube channel, iono.fm, Spotify, player.fm, Pocket Casts, Google Podcasts, and iTunes, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts.